Hey, Sender. Hey, Phil. Sender, 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 Sender. We got one. We got one. Look, got, look at my phone. Look, we got one on the Tiki Talks. On the Tiki Talks. Oh, my gosh. Cue music. Welcome to another fine episode of Panis Talking Games. I am your host who loves the tick, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda, who loves the talk. Yes. <laughs> that, was, that was an obvious one, though. I was hoping. I was hoping. <laughs> anyway, based on our opening, where did our topic for this week come from? Well, today's topic came from Ryan on TikTok. Um, and we're just going to now play the clip here so you can hear them ask the question. But before I sign off, though, I have always wanted to submit a question to them here on TikTok. So, Phil and Senda, I'm not sure if you've covered this topic at all, but could you give us some insight on how we could take some cues from actual play podcasts or streams and bring some of that energy to our tables? I'm really looking forward to your answer whenever you get around to it. We're getting around to it. First of all. Right now. Before we even talk about the topic. Yes. Ryan's voice is like so good. <laughs> like he has such a nice deep voice. Like I, I do not have a deep voice, right? Like I think I, I'm like a middle range kind of voice. Like I would love to have a voice like Ryan's. So I, I'm just going to put that out there first. Like sure, you should yeah, go I mean, listen. You should go yeah, listen to Ryan's podcast. So you can also hear Ryan's voice. Yeah. I was going to say you should go check out the creation cast. And that is where you can hear lots of Ryan's voice. There we go. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So putting Ryan's velvet, like deep chocolate voice velvety aside <laughs> putting that aside and returning to the topic at hand inspirations gaining inspiration from actual plays right yes all yep. right let's put let's put our bona fides on the table here yes right? yeah um have you ever listened to an ap so very many uh, APs. Um, so a little background for me. Um, some of this stuff is stories that if you've been listening to the show for a while, you probably have already heard before. Um, the thing that brought me back into gaming from my little gaming hiatus, um, when I both had a child and kind of got bored of D and D, um, was actual play. Um, and so yeah. literally the highest form of inspiration you returned. I to literally gaming. came back. Yeah. Like you return to gaming by listening to APs. Yeah. Um, okay. And so I had about an hour commute each direction for about seven years. Um, and I listened to almost exclusively AP podcasts, both directions for about seven years. Um, so yes, I have listened to a lot of AP podcasts. Now, if you didn't know, um, I also ran an AP podcast for five years. Um, it was called She's a Super Geek. All of the episodes are still out there. I'm pretty proud of it. It was pretty great. I loved it. I loved doing it. Um, so I have experience kind of on all sides of the coin on this one in every dimension except video. I didn't do any video stuff because the key thing to me was being able to listen while I was driving, right? Um, but, uh, so I have some experience both behind the mics in the editing studio and listening, um, kind of all of the above for me. What yeah, about listen, you? 
pretty big bona fides there. Okay. Um, So I actually don't listen to too many uh, APs. In fact, I only ever really listened to one AP. Mm -hmm. Which one was that? (laughs) Probably to impress a girl. Uh Uh, Uh So I listened to your AP, right? Uh (laughs) Um, But you know that story. Uh, And and, and let me be clear about this because I don't want to... I don't want to say anything bad about APs because I don't have anything bad to say about them. But for me personally, role playing games are a participation hobby. Like if I want passive media, I will watch a TV show or read a book or something. For me, role playing games have always been a thing that like I go and do. Like, and that's why I would just was never really into listening to other people play games. I just want to play games. I think part of the reason for that, we don't have to dig into that here, but from a philosophical point, there is a thing about being the forever GM. Like you can't backseat GM your way through an audio podcast, but you can backseat play your way through an audio podcast, right? Like I can get a a somewhat similar experience. It's not the same, but I can get a somewhat similar experience to playing a game by being invested in the story. Um, But I am not going to be able to get a similar experience to running a game. So that's really good. It's a really interesting point. I just thought of it. And that is probably why APs don't appeal to me as much because I would rather. Yes. If there was a way to just hear the GM, like, you know what I would like? I would like an AP that had a GM track. Yeah. Okay. Where where you listen to some of the play and then the GM is telling you like, oh, here's where like I totally had to start ad libbing. Right. Because, you know, the player started, you know, going off from what I originally prepped. So, you know, I quick whipped up like a little challenge here. Like, oh, yeah, I would like that. Yeah. You want the director's notes. I do. I really (laughs) do. Okay. Interesting. Highly astute observation. Let me finish out my bona fides. Uh, I am running an AP on the misdirected Mark network right now for MM plays. I am the GM of the Children of the Shroud uh, actual play. So uh, we, you know, I have listened to APs and AP, but I listened to <laughs> lots of episodes. Um, I mean, so it was a good AP in my it opinion. It was a great AP. I am biased, admittedly. I am biased as well. Anyway, <laughs> that all said, we do know what we're talking about here. So we have experience on both sides of the, we've experienced on I was going to say both sides of the mic, but the mic and the earbuds um, for this. Yeah. Okay. So we now have to talk a little something about actual play. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'll just make this analogy and we'll just have some fun with it, right? Sure. Actual actual plays is to role-playing games as porn is to sex. Yeah. Is that okay. a fair statement? I, yep, I, okay. I agree, right? Let's, let's break that down. Why, why, why is that true? Yeah, it's, it's somewhat based in reality, right? Yes, like the people in porn are, are having some kind of sex. Yes, they absolutely and, are. And the people in actual plays are playing some kind of game. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, cool. Um, you, you have people performing, right? In both, Absolutely. Right. And sometimes they are trained performers also. Yeah, because your actual play might be made up of improv actors. Yes. Many right? of the ones that I listen to are literally yeah, or people voice who are, actors. Yeah, they're prof- right. they are literally professional actors or improvisers in some capacity. They have a lot of training that all feeds into their ability to do this game stuff 
really, really, really well. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> it's pretty amateur, though. I mean, sometimes. Boy, you're just giving me this look, and my mind keeps going to dirty places. <laughs> I mean, but again, true for porn, right? Sometimes, like, people are definitely performing, whether they are amateur or professional. Yes. Um, sometimes they are, um, they are highly trained, and sometimes they're more on the amateur side. Okay. What, yeah. What's the last bit here to yeah. back up this analogy? Uh, a lot of editing, right? Yes. Yeah. There's yes. a lot of editing. There just is because you're going to film all the stuff or you're going to record all the stuff and then you're going to rip out all the bits that don't, you know, make a good story. Um, I'm, wow. <laughs> Look, let's just be honest. If somebody gets a leg cramp and hogtied, they cut that out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like you're not going to leave okay. that in. Okay. Go Google that. If you're, if you don't, if, if you don't uh, get that reference folks, you can just go look some of that up. Wow. Anyway. I'm going to have to put an explicit label on this episode. I don't think so. We have not said anything. We have not said anything overly explicit. Talking about porn. We're t- talking kind of. around porn. <laughs> anyway, to go back to the actual play part, unless you're watching a live stream of something, you are probably listening to something that has been highly edited. I can tell you, like, I know for a fact from Children of the Shroud, no matter how natural any of that sounds, Chris has edited the shit out of it. Yes. In fact, it is a specific skill to take actual raw, actual play audio and turn it into something that cuts out all the stuff that you don't want and keep it sounding natural and flowing like you didn't edit it and that is actually the magic of actual play editing um actual play editing in my opinion is significantly harder to do well than conversational editing Mm -hmm. um it is a lot of work um especially like when you are trying to make sure that you you know chop out your weird side note or you know whatever it is right um which just matters less when you're being conversational but it matters a lot when you're trying to stick to a story um so yes yes a lot of editing a lot of editing okay so i think i think that analogy holds water Sure. Um, it's amusing and holds water. That's two of my, f- it's my favorite combination, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Good. So let's talk about, let's, now let's focus back on AP a bit, um, mm-hmm. away from, away from the funny part. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on AP a bit. I want to talk about three levels of, three levels of play slash actual play. Sure. And, and we're going to, this, this forms kind of a spectrum. So don't think of these as like three, uh, three modes, like three clicks on a dial, but think of like, think of a kind of spectrum going from um, least edited to like most edited. Sure. Okay. Do you want to, do you want to talk about the first one? Yeah. The first one is playing the game, which is you're just literally playing the game. Um, You're not editing at all. You're having a true experience. Um, It is literally, you know, just Plunk a mic down. down on the table. Yeah, well, I was going to say, it is just sitting down and playing the game. Sometimes the action of even having a mic available changes how you play a little sure. bit, which is something, you know, kind of a whole different thing to have a conversation about if that's something you want to go to. But also, I will say, if you have a table, no matter how good your game is, and you just put a microphone in the middle of your table, and then you're like, woohoo, we made a podcast, I'm not going to listen to it. 
Especially if people are like eating chips, rolling like, dice next to the mic. Like You got one mic, one person is loud. Everybody else is quiet. You can't hear anything. You're constantly turning it up and down. Everybody takes a 10 minute bio break and you didn't stop recording. The pizza guy comes to the door and you just listen to background noise. You know, it. it mm. Okay. <laughs> so, so in that, in that space, in this, in this section, playing the game, it, it's probably closest to the true experience of what your home game would be like. Yes. But it is also, as an actual play, almost unlistenable. Yes. Okay, I agree. Yes. All right, I'll move us to now kind of the middle ground, yep. which is what we're going to say is playing for the mics. Yes. So this is when you are playing a game and you are aware that there are microphones and recordings going on. So you are doing certain things to address that but you're still just playing out the story as it's going you're letting the dice go where they're gonna go kind of thing the rolls you might stop and look up or have a question about some rules or something like that um, but people are trying to use a little more mic discipline there's no chips at the table there is like people are not talking over each other you're just being aware that this is all going to recording and that some good soul, in my case, Chris, will be taking this and editing it. So the better you can make the experience as it's recording, the less work Chris has to do editing it. Yes. Which is something that you should have sympathy for your editor, as in this case, also sympathy for Ryan, who is editing this episode. Yes. <laughs> where we... Try to not um, make a mess of the audio. Yes. Yep. And just being aware of things like, you know, if you're all present in the same place and you're recording and you all are taking a bio break for 10 or 15 minutes, you turn the recording off and yeah. then you sit back down and you start it back up again, right? Like that. Or, kind or of the thing. editor snips it out or whatever. You at least like, document the times. Yeah. It was this time to this time, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you get, um, you get certain things cleaned up out of it, too many ums, or somebody talks over somebody else, you might stop. Like, I know this happens in Children of the Shroud. If if Bob is talking and then Jerry says something, we might stop, mm -hmm. have Bob say it again. Yep, get a clean and take. And then, yeah, get a yeah. clean take. There have been times where, uh, as a GM, I synthesized something. So I, like, I had an idea, I embellished it with a few more ideas, and kind of came full circle around on it till I had something fully described. Sure. Where Chris was like, hey, can you just pause and just say the final thing? Right. <laughs> like, so we can take the synthesis piece out of it. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, pause, say the thing again cleanly. Yeah. Okay. So playing for the mics, what we still mean here is that as a role-playing game, you're just playing the game and all the weird stuff that happens in the game, weird roles, rules, questions, those kinds of things. You're allowing all that to happen. You're just being a little more deliberate about the speaking and the sound parts. Yeah. But it does stop being like an authentic role-playing experience. It becomes yep. a little more, uh, a little more AP. Yep. But it is also, once editing occurs, much better to listen to. Yes. Yeah, th this is kind of my personal baseline because I have picked up, you know, podcasts where it's been like, here's four hours of our raw audio with one mic in the middle of the table and someone recommended it to me and I started listening and then I just kind of went, nope, like yeah. I, it's unlistenable. Um, yeah, 
So for sure, I can get that experience. Yeah, I don't. I, yes. <laughs> and that that experience is completely trumped by the actual um, being at the table play experience, right? Because now I have my own in-jokes instead of just listening to you talk about yours, et cetera, et cetera, right? Okay, the final, the other end of the spectrum is playing for the audience, right? So this is where you might make adjustments to the game or the story specifically for the audience, meaning, um, and, and this can go all the way from like a little tweak all the way up to like, um, mm, we're kind of ignoring some of the rules because we specifically want to make something a little bit more like an audio drama. Or we're not going to let this bad die roll, this crit, take this character out. Yeah. In the middle of a weird middle, you know, middle episode fight. Yeah. I mean, so I'm going to be entirely honest. This is where she's a super geek completely lived. And we lived on a spectrum from, um, from, you know, a quick discussion like, hey, we've got an hour left. Um, are we all kind of in agreement on the direction that we want to go to wrap up this story nicely? Two, um, these rules, when we include them in the recording, are not recording well. We are now chopping them all out and literally making this mm -hmm. just the story part. You didn't get to hear any of the rules, yeah. right? Um, and, and depending on the game and depending on the day and depending on how the recording went, we lived on a spectrum from, you can listen to this and get a pretty good idea of how the mechanics work to, you can listen to this and it was a pure audio drama and you have no idea how the mechanics worked. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, you know, it depended, but all of those could be considered actual play. Sure. Right. I mean, you were playing a game. We were playing a game. Yeah. That's how we recorded the audio. We were playing a game. And, and sure, and for sure, this is happening at, in other APs. Like, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And, and the thing about it is, it becomes less like an authentic game experience and more like an audio drama. Yeah. Which is okay. Now, yeah. again, there's nothing wrong with those. And there's a reason why we're talking about this. Okay? Yeah. So part of it is, it's to say that the experience of playing a game at the table with your friends is always going to be different than any AP that you are listening to. And again, that's okay. And you can still take, you can still take inspiration from it. But what I want people to kind of um, think about here, and I hate, I, I feel bad that, I feel bad that this is the name for it. The Mercer effect. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I feel bad if you are like if you are a young GM or you know a young GM who is getting psyched out by AP DMs, right? Two things to keep in mind. One, refer to our porn analogy, right? Mm -hmm. Those people <laughs> are professionals. They're professionals. Right? And the things that you're seeing happen on the screen might not be how it works in real life. Highly edited. Yeah. Highly edited professionals. And likely, at the very least, playing for the mics, at the very most, playing for the audience. Yes. All of that goes to say, do not let APs psych you out. Rather, going back to Ryan's thing, let APs inspire you. Yes. They should be inspirational, not aspirational. Yeah. 
this holds true actually also for porn. Yes, I would. Yeah, that wasn't ending the analogy, right? Correct. <laughs> right. Porn can be inspirational, not aspirational. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Feel free. Okay. That's, that's the whole point of this setup is to just make sure that people understand that if your game doesn't sound like, I don't know, a, a AP podcast that has two letters to it, like it's okay. It probably doesn't. And truthfully, if they were playing a home game, it probably wouldn't sound like their actual podcast either. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, do I think that Brennan Lee Mulligan is a fantastic GM sure. in, in a game that he's not playing professionally? Yes, probably. He's probably a really awesome GM, but he is both a trained professional in improvising, which is a very good skill to have as a GM, but he is also supported by a lot of editing when he's on film. One of, one of, um, going to Brendan Lee Mulligan to, um, Dimension 20, and then I'm going to just hop right into the network. Sure. Um, which is, um, Dropout. Yeah. Uh, one of... Our other favorite dropout shows, Game Changer, mm -hmm. is also actually pretty heavily edited. Yes. Because sometimes if you're a subscriber to it, they show you some of the outtakes. Yeah. Sometimes some of the bits on the show don't take and they just take them out. Yeah. I mean, the thing about filmed or recorded improv improvisation just in general. Like if it's live in front of an audience, that's one thing. But the thing about filmed improvisation um, is that it gives you the freedom to kind of throw anything out on the table. And then when something falls flat, you just don't use that bit. Like that's, that's the whole point. And that's what Game Changer does. Mm -hmm. And I would be absolutely shocked if that's not what you know dimension 20 is doing too 100 percent. of course okay. it is literally a net an improviser network right like that's yeah. what they do anyway and all of that again i'm just going to reiterate this this yes, is not us reiterate. bagging on ap's no not this at is, all this is us telling you don't be psyched out by ap's yeah this is yeah. this is the stuff you have to remember and again i am speaking as someone who did an ap right like so this is me saying to you these are the tools that i had to make myself sound really, really extra good that I do not have when I am running and gave live in person at the table. Okay. Having set all that up yes. and not a small setup by the least, but yes. I think a good insight <laughs> into APs. Sure. Yes. Let's talk about what do you do when you are inspired <laughs> I crossed my own thing out and psyched myself out. Yep, you did. And I was just waiting for you to say it. Phil just had a note fail and I'm laughing at him. <laughs> the actual line, which I should have read literally on the notes you is, so how do you get that inspiration to the bedroom? I mean, table. Yes. <laughs> I guess it could be the table if you like that kind of thing. Wow. So moving right along. Enough of that. All right. All seriousness. Yes. You listen to some AP, you heard something in the AP and you're like, damn, I wish I could do that. Yeah. That okay. sounds or damn, I want so that fun. in my game. Yes. That sounds okay. so fun. It would be so cool if my game did that. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Step one. Step one. What is the thing that you yeah. are interested in? Is it, the cadence of the GM? Is it the way that they're doing descriptions in the game at the table? Is it um, the way that they interact with each other, the, 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 the pauses, the type of content, the, you know, emotional or not emotional, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? 
is is it their voice? Yeah. Are they doing cool cool voices? Yeah, that's cool. Is it the story structure that you're interested in? Are they telling a really cool story in a cool way? Yeah. Yeah. In in all likelihood, it, there may be more than one thing that inspires you, which yeah. is why first we need you to identify it, get it down. If you need to make a list. Yeah. It might be one thing. It might just be like, oh, I like this thing about it. Or it might be like, oh, I want my game to be like this AP. Cool. Write yeah. down. What does this AP, what is it making you feel? What are you hearing that like you would want to put together? There's a reason why we want you to make a list if there's more than one thing. Yes. I personally uh, had a moment just a couple weeks ago. So when we recorded Children of the Shroud, we, you know, we were working very hard to play to the mics. And in doing so, we just played a tighter game. Like yeah. less chit chat, less jokes and stuff. Not that I don't like jokes and stuff. I definitely do. But like when we got time to play, we like got focused and started and got into it. And we moved through a really nice chunk of story very cleanly. And I ended the episode and I was like, man, I kind of want a little more of this focus at my home table. Yeah. Which Sounds terrible that I inspired myself on this, but <laughs> hear me out. I'm playing the AP with the same people I game with yes. off the mics. Yes. So when I heard we could play a tighter game. Yes. I was like, hmm, <laughs> I think I like that. Yeah. Well, now you can you can turn to them and be like that thing we did in this game for the mics. Can you also do it in our other game Don't just for ahead. us? Don't jump ahead. That's like I'm step three. Sorry. I'm just saying. OK, how about we'll get how there. about you? Cool. I so about 10 years ago um, when I had kind of come back to gaming um, and I was listening to a lot of D&D. Um, and then had run through all of my D&D podcasts and was having trouble finding additional ones that I liked that weren't either mm, made me feel really uncomfortable as a femme person because there are a shocking number of those. That's literally what ended up inspiring my own podcast. Um, or wasn't like audio that I couldn't handle the quality of. Um, somebody recommended to me this this little podcast that I think many of us have heard of called One Shot. Um, and the thing that came out of that for me is that James D'Amato is an improv GM and he's really, really good at it. Um, and, and I've talked about this before, my journey from player to GM basically, um, didn't happen until I made the discovery that I didn't have to GM a game the way that had been sort of stereotypically explained to me and I had experienced from previous GMs, you know, who sat down and read the material ahead and planned everything out and then like, you know, told the story that's, you know, had already been laid out and very much prepped. Um, that style of GMing has never really worked for me. And I didn't know that there were other options. So when I heard James D'Amato not plan anything. It was like a brain galaxy moment for me. Um, and so the inspiration that I immediately took from that is I don't have to plan games. Like I could just do this and I know that I can do that. I'm very good at that kind of thing. And I was like, why didn't I ever think of this before? But it took 
it took hearing someone else do it to understand that the possibility existed. Mm-hmm. Right. So my inspiration was very much, you know, yeah. the the freedom to pick a GM style that was different than the quote norm that was all I had previously been exposed to. Yeah, that's that's um, first of all amazing uh, because I've seen the I've seen the end result. The of end that. result, yeah. <laughs> Which my GM style is not. Just to be clear, it's not the same as James's, right? No. Like it is. It, it was initially a path that was inspired by the fact that I heard him do something similar to what sounded like a lot of fun to do, right? Yes, which is exactly where we're going to head to next. So once you have a list of things that you were inspired by, or maybe it was just one, but we need you to pick one. Yes. Okay. Start with just one thing. <laughs> start with one thing uh, because two things here. You're going to need to get good at it. Yeah. So trying to get good at three things at once is harder than trying to get good at one thing at a time. Yes. And also, it is hard to tell if you make three changes to your jamming style and something isn't working, Yeah, which one it is, right? This is science and software here. Like only change one thing at a time, run it and see what happens, okay? So yeah. pick, your, pick your thing. Don't be the person who goes on the internet, finds a recipe for a thing, and then changes all of the ingredients at the same time and says, this, this didn't work for me, Correct. right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 100%. If, if you're trying to make a change to that recipe, maybe change one thing at a time and see if that gets you there. And if it doesn't, then change another thing, right? Like iterate. Yes. Now, when you pick your thing to change, depending on what it is, you may need to do some research. You may need to read up on it, like read some articles about it, find a book about it, that kind of thing. You may need to do some practicing, like not in a game, but like, practicing for instance if your thing is voices yeah well you could practice voices anywhere like you can practice them like while you're cooking and like on your drive to work and those mm-hmm. kinds of things mm-hmm. if your if your thing is about story structure you might need to read some books right there are some like you know definitive books about story structure and literature and things like that and then there's things like hamlet's hit points and things like that um Robin Laws has two books and I can't remember the name of the second book, but Hamlet Hit Points is the first one, but they are both looks at story structure and then applying them to like role-playing games and stuff. So you might need to read up or do research. Hit uh, Gnome Stew. Check out Misdirected Mark. Check out us. Like yep. we generate tons of advice. So much content. <laughs> there's There's a good chance we might have already. And if we haven't, you know, the Ask thing that we us. talk about at the end. Yeah. Do the Ask thing. Us, we'll do some of your research for you. Yes, like, we like it. We will do it. We will compile our ideas and feed them to you. Correct. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so for me, the focus thing did not need practice. Yeah. Like once I just became aware of it, I was like, oh, okay. Like I, I don't have to do anything to practice that. I like you just have to get my shit together at the t- at the table. And when I say that, we're going to talk about the next step in a second. But I know that I was also part of that problem. Yeah. Like I also and I'm going to open up right now and I'm going to say this because I also know that um, some of my players actually also listen to me. I was being casual. I had this revelation this morning. I was being casual and kind of loose about my gaming because... I was embarrassed about how 
kind of nerdy and intense I really wanted my game to be. Like I was trying to be cool and be like, oh, I'm just going to run this cool game and I'm just going to be less like kind of, you know, go with the flow, chill, kind yeah. of chill GM kind of thing. When in truth, the reality is like, I actually do want to play harder and probably harder than some of my players do. But I didn't want to be like, oh, Phil's being a prima donna, you know. GM and is like making us do all this stuff or whatever, whatever. Like we just want, you know, we're here to have fun kind of thing. And so I toned it down and then I toned it down too much. Yeah. So you're toning it back up a little bit. Yeah. Turning it back up. Turning it back up. Um, for, for my particular, you know, just going back to GM styles revelation from AP. Um, it was very fascinating to me. I have not a professional background in improv, but I am a theater kid, right? We all have some inevitable background in improv. Um, we had to take classes in it. <laughs> you know, so I've, I've taken improv classes. I know a bunch of improv games. You do all the, you, you just, you do the thing. It is something that you can practice and get better at. Like, absolutely it is. And the more you practice it, the smoother you will be. And the more you hone and train that skill, the smoother it will be. But with kind of a background in that, it was very easy to expand that kind of remember those pieces, pick them up and put them back into that new spot. And what's interesting is now there are many resources for that, many resources, one of which is um, Improv for Gaming um, from Karen Twelves. Uh, that's a really good resource just for gaming in general. And James D'Amato has a book on improvised GMing um, also now. He literally wrote the book on it now, right? Like, okay, cool. Uh, Engine also has an anthology oh, hey. of essays, uh, Unframed. Unframed? That actually predates all of those. Well, my apologies. <laughs> I named the one first that I have a blurb in. <laughs> I was no, actually calling also, myself out first. Right. Unf Unframed also is a uh, anthology of essays, uh, some of which some pretty big names in there. Yeah. An anthology of essays about improv, improv RPGs, in, like playing them and all of that stuff. So, yes, yeah. also the resources also are out there. Available. Yeah. yeah. So they're like, that in that situation, that was a that was both research and practice. Right. Um, there's a lot of like. You have to research to kind of know what you're going for, some of the techniques to do it. And then you have to practice those things to test them out, see how they work for you and get better at them. Yeah. And I, and I think for you, like it was a 50-50, right? So it was, yeah. it was one, it was awareness. Like you yeah, had to just be aware that that was possible. It was possible, yeah. Right. And then that opened up for you uh, an ability to tap things that you already knew, but then could also pursue to like, you know, also better those things. Yeah. And then to, um, and then I just started doing it a yeah. lot. That was when I got my, uh, convention addiction on and I just started throwing a bunch of weird, uh, games on the books that it was sometimes hard to get people to those tables. I, it's, it's the reason that I was known for filling up tables when no one booked my tables. Right. Sure. Because people would see them in the convention schedule and be like, Meh? and then they would see me being like, Ooh, I'm going to run this really cool game. And they would end up at my table. Like that's how I ended up gaining that skill was because I wouldn't get anybody. Then I would get everybody in my table. And then I would just like practice running these games with like nothing planned um, at these people. It is, it is, um, by the time you met me in 2016 and 
I ran that Lasers and Feelings game that you played. I um, never remember. Yeah, that was, I think that was about, I want to say that was about a year in. And I was feeling pretty comfortable with it by then. Oh, yeah, you looked pretty comfortable yeah. with your post-it note. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you looked more comfortable at improv GMing with that post-it note than I did at that point. Yeah. <laughs> I would later take on a journey to become an improv GM. Like your journey, after, your journey was a very intentional, like, oh yeah, planned. I will become this, um, which is a little bit different than me just being like, "Holy cow, I could do it like that!" I'm gonna try it. <laughs> I, I had, I was under the impression that I couldn't pull it off, and it was just because I didn't understand how it was being done. Yeah. So then I learned how it was done, and then I did it for a while. And now I actually will, like, I have a middle ground. I still prep a lot of stuff and I improv stuff while we play. And I'm pretty cool with how that goes. It it allows me a flexibility that I, it it allows me a flexibility over solely depending on either style. Yeah. Anyway. It's cool. Yeah, moving right right along. So, so practice, that's second, right? Pick a thing and practice. Get, like, Get good at it, get comfortable with it, get ready to bring it to the table. But before you spring it on to your players, and it should be no surprise if you are a fan of this show. (laughs) You have to talk to your table about the change. Correct. Communicate. Communicate. Here's why. Some changes are going to require table consent. Yes. So, for instance... The focus thing, I could focus all I want. It's not going to do very much if the table doesn't also get their focus like together. Yeah. So that was actually a conversation we had before my last session. I sat down with the players and I said, cool, before we get started, I just like I want to tell you guys a thing. And I talked about Children of the Shroud and I was like, I believe we could just play a bit more focused, a little less jokes and, you know, save the jokes and stuff like that for our, you know, breaks and things like that. Like I would like to just turn up the knob a bit and everybody else was like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. I could do that. Yeah. And so we did, we got, I got table consent from everybody and we did, and we actually had a more focused session. I'm going to remind them next week when we play again, just yep. like going to reinforce it, but we're going to do it again. Yeah. And I really liked the outcome, even just the initial outcome of it. Yeah. Sometimes, um, sometimes when it doesn't require consent or buy-in, it's a little bit more of an FYI, right? Like um, if I'm sitting down to run a game, if if I was making, I didn't really change GMing because like previously GMing never really worked for me. So I didn't have anybody to say to them, I'm changing this, right? Um, But I also was generally pretty clear about how my style worked. Um, but you know, other, other examples are things like, you know, I want to start using voices for this Mm -hmm. game, right? You might just tell them like, Hey, don't be surprised. Um, I'd like to start playing with doing voices for NPCs. Yeah. Yeah. And you might want to do that just so that when you make a voice, in the middle of a game and you've never done it before that your players don't like double take or start laughing or break the mood kind of thing. Like you just want to ease everybody into it. Yeah. 
you really can never go wrong with extra communication. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't yeah, stress this really. enough. Just really. the little bit of, hey, I'm changing up a few things in my style or, hey, I'm expanding my repertoire a little. I'm going to do this thing at some point in the game. Like, does not hurt to just share that info. Perfectly fine. Yes. Probably helpful. Probably helpful. Generally helpful. Yeah. You know, it's hard to over communicate when you're like all doing a thing together aka yeah. collaboratively playing a game you know just making sure everybody's on the same page i'll even say this in the most recent children of the shroud story too i had come up with a little mechanic thing that um oh no i'm sorry scratch all of that hasn't come out yet no no oh, it's okay. not even the wrong game because that's how many games i'm running <laughs> Okay. In my aux game, sure, I came up with this novel mechanical thing for a challenge. Sure. And I warned the players. I was just like, hey, sometime tonight, I'm going to roll out this. I'm going to roll out this mechanical challenge. It's a little different than what you guys are used to. But like, just, you know, I'll take feedback after the game, but just go with it. Like when it hits the table kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, just I didn't have to tell him that. Like I could have just sprung it out in the middle of the game, but I just was like, okay, like, let me just tell you that like it's coming. Yeah. And when I put it out on the table, it turned out to have like a very favorable reaction. The reason I got it confused with Children of the Shroud is because afterwards we were like, oh, we should definitely put this into, into Children of the Shroud. Into Children you, of the Shroud. And I was like, you, okay, you, yes, we should. Okay. Like, cool. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> You're yeah. running a lot of games right now. It's a lot of games. It's a lot of and games. Not in a bad way. I'm not no. I'm not sad with it, but there are a lot of games going on right now. Yes. Cool. Okay. Anyway. Part four. Part four. Part four. Part four is once you've done the thing for the first time or any subsequent times when it's still new to you, get feedback after the session, right? Mm -hmm. Find out from your players how it went. And we have an a whole episode about getting feedback. So if you want to use a specific structure like wishes and dreams or, um, you know, roses and thorns or, or whatever. Question. Yep. You can do all of those things, whatever works for you. Um, but it's just, it's important to find out, did it work? That's what you're going for. Did it work? And is there is there something I need to improve or are there bits of it that I need to tweak to make it better, yep. et cetera, et cetera. That's 100%. what you're looking for. And honestly, let's, uh, as we're heading into the kind of the conclusion mm -hmm. of this, no surprise that this model that we're talking about here, identify, focus, consent, feedback yeah. is our framework for a lot of things. Yes, it a is. A lot of changes <laughs> that we talk about in role-playing games. We use this very uh, similar framework for it uh, because it works. Yeah. It, it's good. And it, it's about focus. It's about consent. And then again, feedback, because the only way you're going to improve is by like trying things and then hearing how it went. Yeah. And maybe your first voices won't be spectacular. Uh, yeah, right? that's okay. I don't even do voices, right? Because I just am not comfortable with voices. I do terrible voices. I usually yeah. just am like, I'm going to do voices. They're going to be bad. You're going to laugh. It's going to be great. Let's go. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I tend not to do them. And I just like, I will buffer it being like, oh, in a thick Russian accent, they say, you know, and I just, I don't. Um, I just, it's not me. It's, I'm not that kind of performer. 
But anyway, point being is that framework always works. And if you find yourself inspired by a number of things from from NAP or a number of things from multiple APs, right? Go back to what we said, pick one, mm-hmm. get comfortable with it, get it incorporated into your game. When it becomes more of a second nature, yeah. pick another thing. Go to the next one on your yeah. list. Do them in order of priority or order of what you're most interested in or order of what you think will change the most cool things in your game, you know? And I mean, I'll just say this as a final piece to this before we close it out. I've been a GM for 40 years. Your GMing style should never be done. Yeah, always evolving. My my GMing style, I can chart my GMing style over the years. And even to today, I will hear things or play in a game or see things and will be like, oh, that is important. I should also be doing that. Yes. You should always as a GM be honing some part of your craft yeah not in a guilty way like like not in oh if you're not doing it you're not being a real gm but i'm saying don't oh don't be content with your gming if you run great games that's great but also like it's an artistic expression one can always push your boundaries one can always stretch or grow into you know new skills yeah and there's a lot of really cool evolving ideas and information that are constantly kind of churning out of our community. Um, So, you know, just as, as the discourse can sometimes be something I don't want to be involved in. Also, sometimes the discourse is really cool things that don't necessarily tell me to do something differently, but will make me think about and either be like, yeah, I do like how I'm doing that or be like, I think I could do that better, which will prompt me to go off on a journey of, how do I want to do it better? What are other people doing? What do I need to consider, right? Yeah, absolutely. Great. Cool. So listen to those APs. Don't be psyched out by them. Gain some inspiration and work it into your table. Yes, I personally, I think APs are an amazing source of inspiration. Heck, I ran an AP that was inspired by other APs. Like that's, that's just how it goes. And, 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 and I know at least one other AP that my AP inspired, right? Like, so it's just a beautifully, you know, just never ending chain of inspiration from basically being able to, you know, as different as it is, get an idea of how people are thinking about and approaching games and GMing. And that kind of stuff is just really cool. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Excellent. Cool. Let's wrap this show up. Yes. In order for us to do that, before we can get to the closing, Senda, tell me about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Yeah, well, on the Gnomecast, several gnomes, sometimes me and sometimes Phil, uh, from Gnome Stew get together and talk about gaming topics and themselves in an effort to entertain you and avoid being thrown in the stew. I think by the time you hear this, it may not be the most recent episode, but as of this moment it is, um, you can go back just a tiny hair in the feed and catch me and Ange and JT Evans talking about introducing players to role-playing games, brand new players to role-playing games, and kind of our approaches and thoughts on that, which was a pretty good and interesting episode, I thought. I take the Aladdin approach to that. A whole show new you world. the world. <laughs> A new fantastic point of view. Okay. 
That is 100% me, right? Like it, 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 if somebody opens the door for me to, to you know, to like, te- show them something about role-playing games, I immediately, like I'm Aladdin with a carpet, right? Yeah, like, like just, here we are. Let's go. Yeah, 100%. Cool. All right. Say, Zenda, where do people find us on the internet? Well, as this continues to be very challenging, we still exist in as many places as we can kind of manage, which means you can still find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Mastodon, the Dice.Camp server, um, with our individual accounts at Idella Mifflin and at DNA Phil. It is I-D-E-L-L-A-M-I-T-H-L-Y-N-N-D. I thought I was done spelling this, but the internet has screwed me and now I have to spell it again. Um, you can find us on TikTok using those same names the same way that Ryan did. Um, you can uh, drop something in our forums, forums.misdirectedmark.com, or failing all of that, you can do one of two things. You can uh, drop us a note, panda at misdirectedmark.com, an email, or you can tell us what the heck social media you're using these days so that we can make a presence there. Cause like, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, we feel like we got our bases covered right now. Well, I but, mean, we're like, know. we could be on Instagram and Tumblr, I guess. Like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> My portfolio is diversified <laughs> I enough. I don't even know. I can't keep track of it. Anyway, um, fantastic. Once they find us in one of those places or tell us where they want us to be, what can they do with that information? Yeah, just like Ryan, ask us a question. Throw us out a topic. Give us something that is challenging you as a GM. It doesn't have to just be challenging you, but really what we're here for is to make more better games for everybody. So give us something. Or challenging you as a player. I have to throw that out. Or challenging you as a player. We'll take that too. I love it. Sure. Throw us one of those things because what helps you is if we can provide some sort of insight, our experience, our knowledge, just the way we break things down, the way we look things up. We have a lot of like we have a lot of pent up advice that we would like to share <laughs> with you. And we can do that when you prompt us with a particular topic. So um, we love doing it and we do want you to actually have better table experiences because the more you play and the more fun you have, the more you're going to play, the more you play, the more games that get played, the more people who get to play games and the longer you stay in this hobby. And I am telling you that that is my goal. Has Mm -hmm. been for a while. Staying my goal right now is I am keeping all of you in the hobby one way or the other. So (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever you need, I'm here. We're here. We're going to give you that advice. We're going to keep you in this hobby, having a good time. Love it. I love it. I'm not going anywhere. I've been here for 40 years. Like this is, I'm I'm all like, this is all, this is all I'm doing. Like, yeah, we, I mean, we we all know that when we all retire, we're all going to move to like a retirement home yes. that's just full of gamers. And that's all we're going to do when we're too old and infirm to do anything else. We're going to play role playing games all day. Yeah, yes. take my little scooter and drive over to like somebody's house and run a game. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's it. Cool. If you like what we do here elsewhere in the Misdirected Mark Network, consider backing our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the Slack Room for Life. That's going to get you a ton of different types of conversations, access to some really cool people, and our Friday get-togethers on Zoom. We love having people there. Heard I couldn't make it this week, but I heard there were like 13 people who jumped yeah. in. To, yeah, it was so great. good times. Yeah, we have, we have regulars. We have people coming in, like just popping in to kind of meet everybody. We got people from Europe on the call. We got people in almost every time. I think every time zone now across the U.S. Um, yes, every time zone, it, every fun. U.S. time zone, and a bunch of overseas. Yeah, yeah, 
Absolutely. So come listen to it, you know, come hang out with us there. Uh, If you are a $4 patron and you're listening to Children of the Shroud, uh, you're getting all the background stuff from Children of the Shroud. You're getting like our write-ups and stuff like that. You're also getting my little one-on-one uh, it's actually my solo recordings called Behind the Screen, where I talk 10 to 15 minutes about the upcoming story. And then you're getting like my take about it before it actually hits the table so that you can kind of hear like, oh, this is what Phil was thinking about. This is what actually happened. Mm-hmm. Eventually, cool. you will actually get the story notes. But I got shit in those story notes that I can't. Uh, it'll ruin the rest yeah, of the story. Can. It may yeah, be at the see. end of the AP. I'll release the story notes. Yeah. Uh, I'm hesitant right now to to let them out. I also have the what's going on documents, which also I cannot for sure release. Yes. So we have other yes. stuff that we're putting out for it. Um, yeah. And you can catch us stuff. And then I think at the higher levels, uh, Chris has got notes for his lamplighter system that he's working on. So you can actually like see that getting developed Uh, I will probably have some stuff that will go into that bucket in the summer. There's Mm -hmm. some design work that I want to do and that I haven't been doing. And we'll probably throw some of that uh, that way as well. Yeah. So cool. I have a bunch of unfinished games. And if I ever finish them, that's where they'll go. (laughs) If you are already a patron, we thank you very much. Uh, You help keep the lights on around here. And we appreciate that greatly. Uh, If you're not a patron, unable to patron the show at this time, that's perfectly fine. There's a thing you can do that helps us. It involves a little bit of your precious time. We respect that. But if you have a moment, you could do this thing, which helps us immensely. Tell them, Senda, what's that thing? Well, you could leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcatcher you're currently listening to us on. Um, Or you could tell a friend. They're all kind of the same thing, which is basically spreading the word Um, because we love having new listeners. And like, let's be really, really clear and honest. Um, The way that you get people who can back your Patreon um, is that you calculate them as a percentage of your total listeners. So um, that's just kind of how it works. So from the perspective of supporting the podcast and making sure that we continue to do things like pay for servers and stuff, it actually helps a ton when you tell people. And then on top of that, we actually really just love it when people listen to the show. Um, It's really awesome. And then new people are added to the mix. They have new questions we haven't heard before. Um, They're jumping in with cool new ideas or different approaches to things that we may have talked about previously that we get to talk about again from a new perspective. And I love that. Oh, 100%. Right. Uh, I like sometimes that we'll just get a new listener and they'll, you know, mention topic that we've done before, but we haven't done it. Like we, oh, we like did like a hundred episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, we're like, going to oh, do this getting, again. Yeah. You get a new episode. You get a refreshed episode. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. If it's fairly close, we'll just point you to the episode. Yeah. If it's like in the last year or maybe right. year and a half, we'll be like, cool, here it is. But if it's from like, 2018 or something like we're gonna be like cool it's probably time for us to do that again yeah 100 yeah. percent. yep cool cool great hey senda what new thing should i incorporate gming wise into our uh our game well are you sure you're not into voices because i think you'd be really good at a scottish accent I think I'd be moderately good at a Scottish accent, considering my background. I, I would sure. like to hear you. <laughs> oh, I Spirit. okay, yeah. Oh. <laughs> This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
All right, here we go. We're recording before anything else goes sideways. Sideways. Is it sideways? I don't know. Is it sideways? Horizontal? Sideways? Oh my God. This episode is going to get so bad so fast because I know what's actually written in the notes. Like, written down oh, and we're yes, already that part. we're sure. already in this place sure and we Hi, haven't ryan. even gotten there yet ryan i apologize in advance ryan's a <laughs> third party to this whole thing consummate professional Bloop. okay are we good yeah we're good right. i'm on track because i'm um what you call it i'm in i'm invested in the idea of a nap okay um so let's uh let's do our show uh, and then after show, and then uh, I'm going to take a nap because cool. I got up and did a whole bunch of house cleaning. Ryan doesn't really need to know that. So no. hi, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. I was this is your say, episode, by the way. You're about to need- find out. This is your episode. <laughs> we just, we just, we need to count. That's the thing we need to do. We need to count. And then we need to do silence. Roger that. Ready? Here we go. Bloop. Are you ready? Uh, God, I can't quite decide where I want my mic to be today. I think I'm ready. Okay. Keep messing with it. I need to n- stop touching it. Bloop. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so many things I want to say. So I many things I it did just, not say. Just sat here and grinned at you with a just big Cheshire cat like. Let that moment pass between <laughs> us. All right. Are we ready? <laughs> yep. Bloop. Do, do, do. Show me what you got. 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 Can I just say the entire time we've been recording this episode, we keep saying the word inspiration. And so I have a Steven Universe song stuck in my head that's just been playing on repeat. Sure. Like, I want to inspire you. I want to be your rock. And when I talk, it lights a fire in you. 